Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big, the handsome one that stands right in the middle. That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast. You are locked and loaded on the Music Mania Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcaster. We roll tonight to the guitar bite. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest. Featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. This is awesome. I tell you, uh, this is the third time we've been fortunate enough to have you on the Music Mania podcast. And the first time doing it this way, and this is pretty cool. This is, uh, this is a big improvement over those old phone calls, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is better. How you been? I am great. You look wonderful yourself, my man. Look at you. How's everything been going? Just trying to hang in there during the apocalypse, you know, like any of us. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. You know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm here in Kansas City. The year starts with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, the first one of my lifetime. Things are looking great. I'm in Vegas for the Aerosmith residency a week later. And then uh, two weeks after that, uh, things start heading downhill. We haven't quite recovered. So here's to a better 2021, I guess. I may have been at that same show in Vegas. Were you there on Valentine's Day? It was uh, right before. It was the show before Joey Kramer came back. Okay, yeah. I, I caught the Valentine's Day. One. I mean, it was spectacular. So, so you were right after me. Yeah, it was uh, right after that. Joey Kramer came back and Phil got back in the seat. So it was a couple days before that. That is awesome. And that So that was it. That was my last my last live experience. Have you, have you been to a concert since then? No. Hell See? no. Kidding you. Right. I, in fact, we had heard rumors of the first infections around that time, not to be glum, right but around that time, my girlfriend, Mandy, and I were on the plane and we saw people coming down the aisle. We were seated early wearing black masks. And I'm like going, oh, look at these fools. Of course, there's no virus. And within, you know, 48 hours, I was like, get me a mask. This is scary. Anyway, here we are uh, a year later. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, what what was uh, I don't I didn't know if Paul McCartney had any dates on the books for for this year or next, or if anything was affected uh, on the live end from Paul McCartney. Did he have anything planned that you guys had to? Oh yeah, just a little thing called Glastonbury, the biggest festival in the in the UK and in the EU, like huge, huge festival. Um, so that was going to be the sort of end capper of a 10 date uh, tour and in the EU, all of the hot spots at the time, it was unfortunate, but uh, you know, you have to be safe and they were smart to call it. Of course, later on, the cities themselves put a cap on it and said, no, you know, no more football, no more concerts by Paul or Queen or anyone else. Yeah. And you know, very similar stories kind of around music, but maybe, Brian, just maybe this has uh, given you the time to really uh, hammer out some some wonderful music. And I've just caught the 
the latest couple of singles, Got a New Thing and uh, Whiskey Train. So Got a New Thing is awesome. I, I, I was just listening to it before I hopped on with you here. It's got this real poppy kind of vocal style, but still the guitar, it's very garage rock to me as well. Talk about the single, Got a New Thing. It officially was released um, on, I think, the 13th, just a couple days ago, which you can get on your website, correct? Yeah, yeah. You can get it on my website, brianray.com, or you can get it at uh, Underground Garage, Wicked Cool Bandcamp. Uh, and you can hear it uh, all day on uh, Little Stevens Underground Garage. And yeah, to talk about the single a little bit, it's it's a song like, you know, when you're writing a song, you start somewhere, you know, it could be a riff or a beat or a lyric or a title, you know, in the case of my new single, Got a New Thing on Wicked Cool Records, it started with the lick. And the lick kind of grew. It started out as just like, 12 notes and then it grew and then I thought okay so what do I do with this I have the beat and I have the lick and I started coming up with that verse chord sequence and then it all started coming together I started writing some lyric ideas for it and then switched my lyric idea as this COVID kept getting worse and um, yeah it was a long time germinating in my mind and in my body and that happens a lot with me as a songwriter. It's the strangest thing. I'll like get an idea and then the ideas start coming to me and they start, start filling in the record in my mind. It's weird. I'm weird. Anyway, and so what I'm saying is, is that it took a long time to write it in my mind. Not all the time sitting there writing mm -hmm. it, but the ideas are kind of formulating and germinating. And so that when it comes time to record it, the recording is like that two days and it was done. Wow. You know, and that's with everybody playing with Abe Laborio Jr. on drums and Scott Schreiner from Weezer on bass and their wonderful singing as well. I, yeah. I got it. I wanted to ask you about uh, Scott Schreiner because I'm such a huge Weezer fan and he, he played with the cars when they got inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. He filled that, uh, that famous, seat left by Benjamin Orr, you know, with the cars yeah. uh, when they went. Yeah. And I just thought that was tremendous. So just kind of talk about how you got hooked up with him. And I just think he does such a great job and really everything he does. So what, how, what, a, what a wonderful marriage having you guys work together. I know. Well, you know, I just I'm so lucky to have the kind of friends that I have, like with Abe Jr. and Scott Schreiner and the mix engineer and uh, all the people that work with me and the recording engineer, Jose. Well, in the case of Scott Schreiner, I've known him for about 28 years. We wow. just became friends uh, a good deal of time before he got the Weezer job. And I knew him as just a really good, hardworking, dedicated bass player who went to, you know, Guitar Institute of Technology. He learned music and he had a natural, very good voice. And then he also studied that a bit as well. He's just one of those really fine musicians, as is Abe Jr. And in the case of uh, uh, Scott Schreiner, I've just known him for a very long time, and we've done a lot of different things through the years. We had a cover band together with Michael DeBar singing, uh, Oliver Lieber on the other guitar. We had a great little cover band doing sort of late 60s, early 70s rock. 
And when it came time to do this, now Scott Schreiner and and Abe Jr. have recorded with me since my first solo album in 2005. So this was just a chance to get them back in the room again after several years of not having done that. Uh, and when I say back in the room, I mean my room, my studio here. Right. Because it's not at a big studio like the ones where we recorded my first and second albums. This was more of a homespun recording. Well, what do you feel like during, you know, during these last seven, eight months, regardless of what plans you may or may not have had that were thwarted, do you feel like that having this time to, to really delve into writing and recording new music, has that been beneficial for you? I mean, you said you kind of had this germinating in your head, but, and, and you knocked it out pretty quick, but has this been beneficial for your production really? Well, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm so lucky to have this deal with Wicked Cool Records and it's a singles deal. And that that deal uh, is looking for two singles a year pressed on vinyl. So that means four songs because it's an A and a B side, of course. And so four songs a year is very doable. So here I am after three years of recording for Wicked Cool. It'll be going on four soon. Um, I have amassed 10 songs, so it keeps me quite busy. And then I also have family and uh, a lovely girlfriend and um, I have a, a place out in the desert. So I, I have my time taken up nicely with a lot of different things. But music is my primary outlet. If it weren't for my studio and my friends and this inspiration and this opportunity with Wicked Cool, I'd be up in a turret somewhere with a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do, do you feel that, I know that you're you know recording these singles and I think it's just tremendous, but do you foresee in the future a, a, an album, an entire album of new material? Would, would that be something you're interested in or would, uh, kind of the right situation have to present itself with a, a record deal there? Well, I, I'd be interested in it and, you know, we'll see what happens next. Um, yeah. So to do that, I think you'd want 12 songs. I finished 10. We'll see what 2021 brings. Right. Uh, you never know. Hey, uh, I saw where Re G uh, Gibson Guitars, there is a Brian Ray, a 63 SG, uh, which is a, the fa a famous guitar that's played on stage by so many great artists uh, from, from Rick Nielsen to Angus Young. How did this come about? And how, how do people get one of these? Is there, is there a way to, to get your hands on one? I love this guitar. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm super fond of it. I feel really, you know, like blessed that they would approach me. So Gibson approached me to do that. And then they just approached me to do another one. So there's two SGs out there now. The one you just mentioned, which is sort of a, it's called Silver Fox. It's a mm -hmm. black finish but you can see this grain through it. That's kind of a greenish looking grain. Um, and then the latest one is a junior, an SG junior. That's the same kind of finish, but the opposite. It's white where you see the grain through it. And uh, it's a single coil, single pickup. Uh, and that's called the, B, uh, the Brian Ray 62 SG junior. So they're both out there. And to answer your question, you'd have to go to your local guitar shop and say, you would love to try one. Could you order one for me? They'll send one from Gibson. You'll get to try it and buy it. And uh, yeah, it's, wow. 
it's a huge blessing. Yeah, Angus is playing it, Rick Nielsen, and all all sorts of guys. Ooh, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, only because that I've had you on the show a few times, and I I know how much you love music and how much you're connected to so many other artists. I you know I want to bring this up because. Uh, obviously it's been a couple months since we lost Eddie Van Halen. I know you're from Southern California playing, playing all those LA clubs when you were just a young kid. And uh, we saw Wolfgang Van Halen, uh, Eddie's son release his single uh, just this week. And just what a tremendous tribute it was. I just was wondering if you ever kind of crossed paths with Eddie Van Halen and kind of what it was like as Eddie was coming up, you was someone that was so entrenched in the, in the LA scene. And when Van Halen kind of came out, just what your thoughts were about them and kind of his tragic passing. Well, first of all, it's it's very sad that that he's left us. Uh, but he gave us so much. Yeah. You know, he changed the guitar one more time. You know, you have people like Clapton who introduced us to the great blues players that informed him. You know, then he comes from England and shows us why we are so great here in America. Because he was just basically uh, maybe reimagining the great blues players that came mm -hmm. from America. Then you have Jeff Beck, who then expands the guitar vocabulary in the way he did. And then you have Jimi Hendrix, who again takes it to another place like on LSD. And then all these years later, not a lot of change. You know, you, you have Brian May and you have a lot of great players. But not until Eddie Van Halen comes along does somebody again enlarge the vocabulary and take the guitar to another place in the way that he did. And he's just a very, very special musician. And I hear he started out, my, my buddy Rusty said, he started out as just a, a really good blues rock guitar player. And then Rusty says, next time he saw him, he had been woodshedding for a year and who knows what else he was doing while he was woodshedding, but he was all of a sudden a wizard and um, it's quite dramatic. But I remember driving down uh, Sunset Strip and seeing Van Halen on the marquee of like the Starwood Club mm -hmm. when they were a young, uh, you know, live band just coming up. And we're so lucky to have had him. Uh, what a tremendous artist. Yeah. And, and was it, uh, what was the club there, Gazaris, that they were the uh, the house band for for those years? I think yeah, it, it wound up being the key club, Gazaris down there. That, wow. That's the other one, of course. That That's one of the ones that they started at. It was yeah. Starwood and the Gazaris, yeah. What a time, Los Angeles back then. Uh, what a what a amazing time that, that must have been. Because you, I mean, as a young kid, you were playing the, the Troubadour in some of these clubs, correct? I mean, you, you were a teenager, Playing. Yeah, I mean, my, my very first live sort of professional show, I think, was at the Troubadour. Yeah. Uh, on a Monday night, hoot night, hoot <laughs> night. And, I love it. You know, you, you know, that's how long ago it was is when they'd use the word hoot nanny. Um, but you'd have all these different various art, artists sign up. It'd be like a live, you know, open mic night. And uh, but you were at the Troubadour playing at the Troubadour and other people like Oingo Boingo and the Dillards and Linda Ronstadt. All these people were playing there on Monday nights as well. And I was just a little kid, 15 years old, going like, oh, my God, it's all happening right now. Oh, my God, I forgot the link. No, <laughs> yeah, you know, you just uh, I, I felt like I was 
where I always wanted to be kind of, and um, like it was kind of coming true for me, even though I was just a, a little young greenhorn, but it, that's where it began for me. Yeah, the, the LA club scene. I used to go to see my sister with whom I played that first show, backing her up when she was uh, previously half of a, a folk rock duet named Jim and Jean. And they were really great. And there's like four albums out there of there still, of course. Uh, Jim and Jean, go look them up. They're tremendous. And I used to go to all these clubs as an 11-year-old kid and watch them play, you know, and you'd have the, the red candles with the plastic netting around it, you know, on, on all the tables. And you're at the, uh, you know, the birthplace of folk rock in Los Angeles. Now, back then, it would be Jim and Jean plus Taj Mahal mm -hmm. or Jim and Jean plus, you know, um, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. And it would always be that sort of mix of blues and, and folk and folk rock, you know, oh. and it was a really healthy wonderful inspiring scene to be a part of and it and it informed my whole musical vocabulary and glossary well can you i mean obviously we it, we live in unprecedented times i mean can you think of anything throughout your career or or in music that has had such an effect an adverse effect on the music industry than what we're than what we're facing right now because this just seems so I, I don't know. It just, it's just cataclysmic. And is, I mean, is there anything that can compare to this, uh, whether it be artists downloading and Napster and stuff like that, but this is just a whole nother level when you're talking about a year off touring for a lot of bands that can't take that hit financially. Uh, so true. No, there's nothing like it. There have been periods that have changed music uh, for worse or for better such as the end of the 60s with Altamont, you know, mm -hmm. that definitely changed the, the lovely innocence of a, of a burgeoning scene of the 60s and turned it more into a corporate rock situation. Um, but, uh, and then Napster, of course, in, in the late 90s, you know, changing the, the, the way we buy, listen to and consume music but no, nothing ever has come along to challenge the whole system. Promoters, venues, vendors, bands, crew. Think about all these people, caterers and wardrobe and lighting engineers and gaffers and carpenters, sound guys, you know, uh, monitor mixers, roadies, bus drivers. It's like, it's more than just musicians. It's like everybody. And a lot of people have suffered, suffered, you know? Yeah, that's uh, absolutely the case and very well said. So in a perfect world, 2021, what would you want to be kind of on the agenda for you? If you could craft things and make uh, kind of things go back to normal, what would 2021 kind of look like for you? What are you planning on? Well, I mean, in music, uh, I think, first of all, you know, the bigger answer is we need a vaccine and we need a lot of people to participate in it. Mm -hmm. But that's like the serious, like, policy side of it. What right. I'd like to see music uh, wise is more of the same. I love doing what I'm doing. I love writing and recording music. I do, I adore it. And so some more of that would be cool. Um, maybe an album, like you say, maybe a little production for other artists uh, and hopefully get back out there with Paul again, if that's what he wants to do. And if there's a way to do it, that's safe. 
uh, again, that requires a vaccine with a high participation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that may be something that's required by outlets like Ticketmaster to, to even attend a show. And if that's the case, give me the needle right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in I'll, whatever it's going to take here, Brian, I'm, I'm in. And I think that uh, people will hopefully fall in line and, and get this thing going. I want to make sure people um, go to your website. It's uh, brianray.com and they can get, uh, they can pre-order the single. Uh, got a new thing. And uh, I, I believe that you can get the, uh, the orange vinyl right now. And then the digital copy will be available on Friday. Is that, is that how it's going? Did I get that right? Uh, it's it's sort of, I think the digital is available now um, everywhere and the uh, the 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 L, the vinyl 45 clear orange vinyl 45 that's cool uh, <laughs> is 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 on back order so that's that's going to be a few days but we're taking pre-orders for that perfect and I uh, I'll sign a bunch of them so you can buy them signed or unsigned and uh, there's some cool bundles and all that kind of stuff. And I think they're going to be send Wicked Cool will be selling it at Wicked Cool's Bandcamp as well. Um, so, you know, find it wherever you can. And it's available now wherever digital music is sold. Well, Brian, I absolutely love the song. I love everything you've done. And now I'm just so grateful to be able to do this with you. It's not quite in person like we'd like to do it someday. That's we'll, we'll make it happen in person. But right now. This is the next best, best thing. This has been so cool, Brian. Thank you so much. Such a fan of everything you do, my friend. It's such a joy. Thanks so much, Clint. It's been a great time to hang out with you and talk a little hey, bit. Always, my man. Good luck. Congratulations. And uh, stay safe and stay healthy, my friend. You too. Thank you.